Welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. Welcome to episode 117. I'm Sheldon Grant from Panoramic Outdoors. Today's episode is brought to you by Stillwater Adventures in Verdun, Manitoba. If you're looking to get any type of new fishing equipment or last minute ice fishing stuff for going up north or last ice, check out Stillwater Adventures. That's downtown in Verdun. They also got a website, stillwateradventures.ca, where they have an e-commerce store and you can pick up anything from their store um and get it shipped right to your door so another thing that they're doing is coming up there's a shot uh not the shot show but the outdoor show in yorkton saskatchewan and they'll be there so check their booth out um i don't know exactly where it's going to be at the show but look for their signage they're going to have uh, a lot of stuff there and if you are from that area and are looking to buy something they will be obviously going there so get in contact with them buy something they can probably bring it right to the show for you so thanks a lot to Stillwater Adventures in Verdun for supporting our podcast. Today's episode, I'm going to just mention his name. His name is Brian Bickle, and he played for Chicago Blackhawks, uh, Carolina Hurricanes, and maybe one other team. I can't remember. I'd have to look it, look it up. But he's coming on the show here in a little bit. Um, very cool co- conversation when it comes to playing hockey, uh, fishing, and the battle and the ongoing battle with MS, and all the cool things that him and his wife are doing with uh, with MS and uh, dogs and pit bulls in particular. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Chase is on the other line here for the intro. How are you doing? Looks like you uh, need a shave, but that's, uh, the listeners can't see that. So, dude, I I just I just gave her a little trim ski here. What I do need oh, is nice. a haircut. I do need a haircut. I'm getting. A little I know, greasy. right? <laughs> what do you mean it's greasy? I'm getting a little greasy. I said. Oh, I think said I'm getting greasy. I'm like, what do you mean getting? I'm already greasy. <laughs> Both of us, two greasers here on the podcast behind the mics. Yeah, so I got some news for you about a dog situation. Let's hear it. So I'm I'm dog sitting for my cousin, and she's got this uh, dog named Reggie. And he's a beautiful dog, young. He's like maybe maybe a year old, but he's pretty big. Like he's like your average size, like lab. But he's like a lab mix with a poodle and stuff. Like he's just a nice looking looking mutt, I guess. But anyways, the other night I made this beautiful supper at this nice big roast, made some sweet potatoes, some broccoli, mm. and I was running late and I need to have a shower. So I made my supper and I'm like, I'm going to let it cool. And I'm going to run downstairs, have a shower, do that, come back upstairs and all my food's gone. And I'm like, what the fuck, you know? And I look in, and I'm like, Reggie. And he's like, by the door, like, do, 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 like nothing happened. Right. Ready to go outside. And I'm like, okay, you don't like, he's never ready to go outside. So I'm like, you <laughs> bugger. Right. So I give him shit for that. So then today, um, I'm kind of the same idea. I'm running late at some French fries. And I had them on the on the counter, not on the counter, but like uh, on the coffee table. And I wasn't even gone. I like left to go to the bathroom and came back. All the French fries are gone. So he got in trouble again today. We're not really good friends. We're not on speaking terms right now. But hopefully he'll uh, he'll learn his lesson. <laughs> oh man, Whew, dogs. That's got to be the lab in that dog. Just constantly food crazy. I got a funny story about uh, a. A dog. I don't know if I, I'm sure I must have told this one on the podcast before, but for those of you that could be new listeners, I'm going to tell it again here. Um, but like years ago, you, you remember when we used to, uh, uh, um, 
be part of the rescues there and we used to uh foster dogs yeah. <clears throat> we had one that was like a, a border collie and maybe like a husky mix mix the mix which are two fucking crazy breeds come together kind of oh, thing. speaking of mix you should try to pour that in your glass so then you can talk properly in these podcasts <laughs> oh man I'm, I'm gonna chalk that up to lack of sleep but okay. uh anyways this dog was nuts um <laughs> tristan was living us with us at the time as well but i remember one time for supper i had these these uh two just big beautiful moose steaks nice thawed out and i just seasoned them i had them on the island in the kitchen and uh i go in there and both of the steaks are gone i'm like <laughs> are you kidding me so i'm losing my shit and uh i was like all right i guess i'll take out a ring of sausage and we'll have that for supper so i take out the ring of sausage i throw it in the sink i was like the dog's not going to get it in the sink he gets it in the sink and he's eating the sausage right after he ate the steak. So I was like, you got to be kidding me. This dog is nuts. <laughs> Pushes the chair up to the counter so he can get up on there? Or what? Well, no, he just jumps right up there. Tristan came home or he came out of his bedroom one day and he walked to the kitchen and the dog was all fours on top of the island in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's I couldn't funny. believe it. dog was nuts. I, nice dog. I have, a, I have another a story. It's a secondhand story. Um, it's my dad's story but he's got a trigger you've seen him on instagram he's a big chocolate lab and he's just like the nicest dog in the world but my dad had um company coming over and him and his partner were like they didn't like weren't really like prepared for this it was last minute like supper kind of thing and my dad's like oh no we got lots of steaks like we got two round steaks and a nice t-bone and he's like let's just cook them up and we'll like cut them up like everyone doesn't eat their own steak like we'll just mix it up and so our partner's like oh yeah for sure so the friends come over my dad and him go out to the barbecue and like the barbecue and they're having a glass of rum or whatever. And my dad wanted to show him something in the shop. So the steaks were on the side of the barbecue and it was like round steak or whatever it was like some shitty cut steak, another shitty cut steak and then the big T-bone at the bottom. And so anyways, they put it on the barbecue shelf there and then they walk around the corner of the shop. They did something, they come back. And the plate's gone. They look and it's out in the yard. And the dog took the plate, grabbed the plate, took it out into the yard <laughs> and didn't even touch the two steaks and ate the T-bone. No way. Like he, like he knew it was like the better cut. And <laughs> uh, yeah. But <laughs> so, I, I know Janet doesn't listen to this, so I can probably finish the story. But anyways, dad and Mike, they kind of like looked at each other and they're like, oh, God, like, what are we going to do? And dad's like, oh, we'll just brush the grass off it'll be fine <laughs> mike's like oh yeah let's give her a rinse <laughs> so they just cooked them up and no one knew any better so <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome everyone got fed no one got sick yeah so, all good but um yeah so we're getting ready to go on an ice fishing trip oh man i can't wait um the the southern season is closing down here pretty soon but we are headed to the north country to extend our ice season yeah i'm pumped man i um that post I did today, when you guys listen to this, this is going to be a few days old, but we did a post, um, one, one of our avid followers, Kelly, she caught this nice jack wearing a panoramic toque, no big deal, but she was fishing and they, and they basically going to be the exact spot we're going to be fishing at in a couple of weeks. So after seeing some pictures of them doing pretty good yesterday, they caught, you know, a good, like a good, I don't know, maybe 
a dozen walleye in their group and, and four or five perch and some nice big jack. Um, it looks very promising for a couple of weeks here I'm in, so, in a couple of weeks. I'm so excited, man. Um, I haven't done much ice fishing up north. And after this year, like I really, I kind of feel defeated, even though we, like I said on every other podcast, we had a good season in the ice shack on the, excuse me, on the river. But I always like to get out an adventure beyond that and have a couple good fishes on, on Lake Winnipeg and stuff like that. And, and we just weren't able to do that this year. I don't have a snowmobile. I don't have a track machine and the snow load was just crazy. So, um, looking forward to getting up there, having some walleye, maybe a couple perch. I'd love to tie into a massive pike and, uh, or see somebody else do it. I'm, I'm just excited to get out and go adventuring. Yeah, a few things about that lake is like I think I might have mentioned it before, but you can catch like pike and walleye, perch, uh, whitefish, sauger, burbot. Like there's a bunch of different species you can catch on uh, on where we're going. So I'm super excited for that. The other thing that I'm super pumped about is that I just went um, and picked up a new Jiffy Rogue. Now, if anybody's listening knows that we run Jiffies, but I was running uh there's i think i can't remember what can't remember what it's called it's a gas one it's like a thir- what is that 30 anyways it's one of their gas jobs and i was running that with a 10 inch uh flight on it and you know i was just like you know what chase and tristan are having so much fun with these electric ones i gotta go pick one up so i went and bought one went and got one it's still in the box and i'm excited to put it together and take it up north and try it out um i've obviously been using the electric ones um all season but this one is kind of like my own so i'm super pumped to put it together get it to you get it in uh, on the ice and, and use it. If you guys are ever looking to get into a Jiffy Ice Auger, any of their accessories or any of their other drills, go to Jiffy on Ice. That's on the old interweb. They've got free delivery in the States for purchases over $100. And for the Canadian residents that are listening, um, Jiffy's well-known. I mean, we've been using them for 30, 40 years up here in Manitoba. I remember my dad was telling me it was one of his first augers he ever bought was a Jiffy. So they're true and tested. They're available all over the place. So check them out on their website. And if not, go and grab one. And not only that, they're going on sale, right? Like it's the end Mm -hmm. of the ice season. So you might be able to pick one up right now from your local store or anywhere else for a a good dollar. Yeah, I know. I was talking to Sean from Harvester Outdoors there the other day, and he said he sold a pile of them this year, uh, which is super cool. And uh, if... uh, Thanks again for to Sean and the Harvester Outdoor crew there for uh, letting us hop on and and uh, throw a little donation money towards the Children's Hospital there. We we donated two dollars from every tub of minnows that uh, was purchased over this past weekend to the Children's Hospital. Um, I know, um, you know, uh, myself growing up, I spent my fair amount of time in and out of the Children's Hospital. For those of you that do know me, you know why I was there. Um, but uh, so uh, grateful for that resource, grateful for the doctors that work there. And uh, hopefully you never have to go there. But if you do, it's it's an amazing facility. And, and it uh, truly, truly um, is something that's needed. So um, thanks again to Harvester. 506 Mercy Street in Selkirk. If you're any, looking for anything, fishing, hunting, whatever. Go check them out, or if you just want to go BS, it's a good spot to BS. And you can pick up some of our gear there as well. We got some hats, some buffs, some toques, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, another thing about harvesters is the owner Sean. Like I have a lot of um, good things to say about about that store. And the one thing that I would really like to say, and like this, 
like this is like from kind of like my own personal bottom of my heart opinion is that he's a, he's a great owner like a, like a, a great guy he does a lot of initiatives for his community puts in you know extra time and money into and into different things going around like kids fish he, he donates to that he donates to other stuff he's like he's like the guy that you want to go and buy stuff from so if anybody that has never went there to purchase a fishing rod or fishing or minnows or whatever, check him out. And he's got other outdoor stuff too. Like he's got some hunting supplies, et cetera, and he's always growing. And, um, yeah, like, I just think he's a, he's a really cool dude and I would support him. Um, so I suggest anyone that's listening, if you have time, go and go and check out his store at Harvester. Yeah. I remember when I, when I bought, uh, I mean, we, we've bought some electronics too there too. Like Tristan got his, uh, his e-collar for a Willie there. Um, we recently purchased a, uh, Garmin SV7 through I don't there. know why you keep on saying we. <laughs> we, <laughs> as, a group, I. as a group. You like, oh. <clears throat> and then, uh, but it, it's super easy to deal with. Like, uh, Sean didn't have the, he was sold out of the, the Garmin stuff that I wanted, but he's like, hang on, I'll order you something up right here. I'll let you know. he let me know how long it was going to be. And it was, you know, he gave me a shout when it came in in the box ready to roll kind of thing and uh you know it, it's my biggest concern of like dealing with like the big box stores is just like having a having like a warranty nightmare kind of thing where stuff just gets yeah. lost or whatever and you just you can walk into that store confidently knowing that if anything happens to that gear you're going to get the best possible service that you can yeah and i mean we're uh, like playing enough tummy sticks here with harvester outdoors but the last thing i will say is that um you know, there's a, that saying, it's like, oh, it's family owned and operated. And sometimes you can see right through that. But like with his store, it, it's truly family owned and operated. Like he, he runs that store so he can get his kids outside and take his wife on the boat. And like he, I don't know, it's just like, it's, it's just, I don't know. It just relates to me to go to, into that store, I guess. And yeah. And, and support him. Yeah. Well, his whole family, right. His, his wife works there as well. So they yeah. both, they both run that place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, going swinging back to ice fishing, I had a question for you, and I was actually talking to a, uh, one of our friends named Steve. They're up in Dauphin. He's on his way up north to go um, on a fishing trip, I think, in Clearwater. And we were talking about camping on the ice, um, and it kind of like sparked some interest in me, and I kind of wanted to pick your brain. And anybody that's an avid angler might know, and maybe they don't know, but um, on provincial lakes, you cannot camp on the ice. In provincial now, parks you're talking about? Well, provincial parks, yeah, lakes and provincial parks, but anywhere else, like it's kind of free game, right? Like, um, if you went to like Winnipeg, technically you can sleep on the ice. Yeah, I think the the rules are a little bit gray around that area in general, and I don't know the exact regulations on them, um, but there's there's like. If you as an angler wanted to go out and, and sleep on Lake Winnipeg, I'm sure there wouldn't be an issue. Lots of people do it. There's tons of people that do it. We've done I, yeah, it. We've done it. Um, but the the provincial park thing is is like a, a bit of a different animal. And it's, it's, I think the mindset behind it is like normally when you camp in a provincial park, you have to be in a designated camping spot because they are trying to look after the wilderness in that area, right? They're pr- pr- protecting the wilderness. There's my stutter coming back because I'm tired (laughs) but uh but so like all the summer camping in the provincial park has to be done in a designated camping spot winter camping as well even though the the campgrounds are like shut down you're not even really allowed to be camping in there 
and uh that's just to protect things keep things clean you know the camp campsites are you know they know where the mess is going to be if there's going to be a mess you know what i mean so um as a opposed to like spreading everything all over the place it's it's i don't know if the the whole winter camping thing how big of an issue it would be I would certainly like to do more winter camping out east in some of those provincial parks, even on like Clearwater and stuff like that would be pretty awesome. But uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I I don't know the answer either, but I have a lot of ideas. Like in my mind, especially a spot like Clearwater, I mean, the wintertime is a, it's a huge attraction for not only ang- like well for anglers, but it brings a lot of money, I think, into not only that, like the surrounding communities, like the paw, but it brings a lot of anglers into Manitoba too. I think, you know, from across the border in Saskatchewan, I don't know about Americans this year or last year because of COVID, but I know there's, um, you know, there's a lot of angling TV shows and stuff that use clear water and, and that, that area to, to target those big lake trout. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and to get into some of those lodges, like it's super hard to get into one that's close. And not only that, like the setup and set down daily does get tiring if you're going to be out there for three or four days. What I think is that maybe, um, you know, the government, provincial government, whoever could have some sort of like designated area where, you know, you pay a $25 permit to be able to camp on the ice and for like ice fishing only, or even like wonder how hard it would be. Like you could, there was an area where you could set up like on land um even like you know a prospector's tent or or a trailer or whatever and you could almost i wouldn't say make enough money to justify but you could make enough money where it would bring in people to come there mm-hmm. rather than like phoning and be like oh man we can't find anywhere to say well screw it we're not going to go that weekend then yeah you know that's, um, uh, it's not a bad idea to, to like enforce like a permit uh thing in there it wouldn't be i think at least it, would, it could justify some of the costs and some of the because then you would you would have to uh, almost put some more regulation into stuff, some more enforcement, right? You'd have to have some some officers out there to make sure everyone's cleaning up after themselves and not making a mess and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't mind but, that idea. But they also have officers to enforce that you're not going to be camping on the ice. So, like, I That's mean, true. In my mind, it's just like, well, you know, like, can we not find something that can work? And instead of just saying no. Um, but, and, and I know one thing that, that, and the reason why I was thinking of it is because when I lived up North and we used to, have, we used to fish and camp at Paint Lake all the time. And one of the things that we would normally do, they had like other designated camping spots on the lake mm-hmm. where you'd get a permit for it. And then you'd boat to it. Like it was on its own Island Yeah, and they had like a fire pit and an outhouse and it was, it was there to camp on. But I was just like, almost thinking like, how, I wonder if you could almost do that on like clear water where there's like designated areas where you could camp and you would buy the permit for that area and then conservation or whoever would know that if you know like whatever garbage was left on that on that area permit it would be between these four guys or whatever right yeah i don't know it might be tough and it might be but you never know maybe someone that's listening to this might uh, be able to you know bring that into into light or it just maybe brings the talk around the table around the ice fishing shack up but. Yeah, it would definitely add some add some value to the uh, to ice fishing across Manitoba, but yeah. uh, I mean at the same time we don't want to mess up the the wilderness that we have. So it's no, absolutely. Like you said, absolutely. how how do you how do you figure out a way to do that? You know. Yeah, 
yeah for sure um but yeah other than that that's kind of the long and short of my question about camping on the ice i know we've done it a few times on like you said lake winnipeg once on the cinnabon river um it's it's super fun to do but anybody that is doing it i mean it, it's kind of dangerous too you got to be very careful and make sure you're heating your your shelter the proper way and um just yeah be careful out there yep um before we get into the main meat and potatoes chase is there anything else that you want to chit chat about i am uh, uh pretty much good to go right now yeah Okay, one, I got one last thing before we launch this uh, beautiful episode with Brian Bickle. All right. Beautiful episode with Brian Bickle. Let's hear it. Triple B. We got some Canyon coolers in. So we've got three Canyon coolers that I we haven't even used. I haven't even opened them yet. Um, one day pack and then one outfitter and then one. I can't remember what the third one's called, but super excited to use them. Um, Canyon coolers not a sponsor of ours we just wanted to try them out we wanted to use them so we got some and uh we're super excited to use them so can stay tuned to like a future episode where we get to kind of tell you what canyon coolers are all about yeah i was gonna say can we give them a, re- a review after our, our trip up north and it's i mean obviously it's gonna be tough to give like a a proper like longevity review for for how, how they keep. But, uh, I think, I think one thing that I, I do enjoy reviewing on coolers, is like how good they fit into places, how rugged they are, how easy they are to move around. Yeah. And like the, my first initial thoughts on these things, they are like two of them are big and they are perfectly rectangle. So they're easy to kind of load. I mean, like most coolers are, but like, I don't know. And they got like the rope and the handle instead of like, the handles the like that are plastic, handle. you know? Yeah. yeah. That'll break. So I really, 30. Yeah. And you could like drag them out of the back of your truck. So they got like long handles on them. Nice. Um, stuff like that. Yeah. So super cool. I'm super excited to use them. And uh, yeah, hopefully in the next couple episodes, we'll be able to review them in the intro. So Wicked. check that out. Okay. Well, let's launch this baby. Rock and roll, brother. All right, guys, if you've been listening to this podcast for long, you know that iHunter has been a supporter of this podcast and us here at Panoramic Outdoors. You also know that iHunter is one of our favorite tools that we have in our pack, in our pocket, actually, every time we hit the field. Not only is it in our pocket, but it's literally everywhere we go with us because it's on our phone. And if you don't know what iHunter is, head over to iHunter.com or download the app on your phone. iHunter is Canada's all-in-one hunting app, providing you with high-quality satellite imagery on your phone everywhere you go. Beyond that, they have instant messaging, so you can message your buddies, current weather forecasts, waypointing, tracking, public land maps, landowner maps, and everything you need in a mapping device. Throw the old GPS in the bin, and uh, everything you need is literally on your phone with this app. If you're interested in getting some public land maps for a discount, head over to the website web.ihunterapp.com. Type in the promo code PANORAMIC30 for 30% off your first public land purchase. Check them out now. You won't regret it. All right. Well, tonight we've got today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this podcast episode, we've got an awesome guest. I'm super excited for it. Every time we get um, a retired athlete that has uh, kind of like a professional career in sports and then also has something to do with the outdoors, I tend to always try to 
bug them enough so that they come onto our podcast. But I'd like to introduce tonight um, Mr. Brian Bickle. You might have seen him playing with uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, won a couple championships, or you might see him on the lake fishing um, on and off. But welcome to the show, Brian. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Right on. So how we normally start a podcast is we do uh, five burning questions. Chase, I don't know if you have any lined up, but I've got a few here. Do you have any or no? I, I, I got a couple if you need. Okay. Well, I got uh, – fuck, we could do like 15 burning questions then. <laughs> but how we'll start, Brian. Yeah. We'll, we'll ask you some of these questions. You can answer them long form, short form, whatever you may like. Uh, let's just try to get our listeners to you know be comfortable with our guests. So our first question is, if you had one last meal – what would you have and uh, what would you have with it with a drink? Well, why my one last meal, if I had to eat one meal left, um, hmm, I'm a big, I'm a big sushi guy. Um, I got into sushi when I moved to the States. Uh, obviously in the small town where I grew up, there was no sushi within miles. So uh, I got into sushi and I enjoyed going to, if it's back in Chicago or the city next to us, that uh, I enjoy su- sushi now. And uh, I think what that would be it. But if I had a drink, I'd have to go with the old beer. I'm a beer guy. Um, nice. I'm starting now. I'm retired. I'm starting to get that beer gut because I've been doing a lot more drinking. <laughs> um, but beer is beer is my go-to. Can't uh, take that away from me. Right on. What kind of beer do you like to? I'm a light guy. I'm a light guy. I can't touch that craft stuff. Um, I, I I can do it casual here and there, but I can't. You know, if I'm going to drink, I'm going to drink, you know, a dozen or two. So yeah. um, <laughs> the Bud Lights are the go-to and all the light beers for me. Yeah, right on. Um, my next question, a lot of people that are listening probably know you as a professional hockey player, um, a retired professional hockey player. But what was, did you have some uh, favorite outdoor activities you like to do while you're in the NHL or uh, even beforehand? Uh, outdoor activities, um, I... I just, I, I loved fishing. I, uh, I got hooked in, uh, fishing when I was a kid. Um, even when I played, uh, I finished my, my career in Raleigh, North Carolina, so the, the hurricanes and being down South was, uh, it was nice because there's lakes everywhere. And then you go, I obviously my, my stint, my career in Chicago and everything's frozen by then. Um, when I got to season started and even if I'm on the road, if I had a day off on the road, I would find, try to find something if it's a pond or somewhere i can get guides for a half day i would i would get on the water and fish and um that's really my outdoor i'm not a much of a hunter um just enjoyed being on the water and catching bass that's what that's what i enjoy doing is catching bass i'm starting to fish more now um because of the season we have here in canada but um just the big bass guy Nice. Um, my next question is actually about fishing too, so it kind of works perfectly. But do you have like the one like iconic fishing trip or like that iconic fish that you caught? Like, give us one of those quick stories that comes just to the top of your head right off the bat. Um, obviously, your biggest fish, um, my biggest bass. Um, I would have to say, I think it's uh, eight five up in Raleigh. When I was there, everything grows bigger down south. Obviously, the biggest bass that I caught in in Canada, I just got my biggest smallmouth um, and my biggest bass in Ontario last fall. It was a seven and a half in uh, Lake Ontario, so it was pretty uh, pretty special to do that with one of my buddies. I enjoy fishing with every every time I can. Um, but uh, I, it was kind of cool. I went to uh, the Pan Am Games up in Mexico for Team Canada a couple years back. Um, we won gold there. That was kind of a new experience for me to 
to get in the fishing world and, and represent, you know, Canada because I represent Canada in hockey. So it was kind of cool to do it in fishing. So um, get the win there and uh, have the experience there was pretty awesome. Still, still get to uh, keep that competitive edge sharp. Even yeah, like I like to, I like to do tournaments and stuff because I just enjoy that adrenaline. Like um, I'm out there to have fun and obviously you want to win and and have that competitive edge. Obviously, you're missing it for the last five years. Um, it's it's still in the you know I still play hockey and and do that kind of stuff and then beer leagues around here. But uh, bass is now definitely taking over my life and um, I enjoy doing it a lot. Yeah, right on. Um, next question is nicknames. Did you have a nickname going through uh, going through hockey? And if you didn't, what was a good one that you came across in your travels? Um, obviously, the last name Bickle, big one was Bix, um, or Big C, or Bix, or I remember Quinville being my um, coach in Chicago for a long time. He used to call me Picklehead, which uh, <laughs> that was my uh, growing up. Um, tease a nickname when i was a little kid the picklehead or pickle because of pickle yada yada but yeah. uh Quinn, quinville called me picklehead um bix was a big one um it's a staple my my dad's name's bix my sister's name's bix and just uh it's kind of a my nickname that's been around forever right on um chase you got one if not i got another one teed up i actually got two i wanna i wanna toss at them here one's fishing related one's hockey related so if uh obviously you're a big bass fisherman, if you could fish with uh like top water or swim baits for the rest of your life, pick one or the other, what would you go with? Oh, that's that's pretty easy, I have to say. Uh I'm not, I I throw the odd swim bait, but you can't you can't uh, take the adrenaline away from that top water bite to the sea of the explosion to the it's hands off if it's a frog, if it's a walking bait, or if it's a popper. It's something about it that uh, that's the best way you can fish, I think, by far. Nice, nice. And uh, my second question here is uh, to to try and make this as unbiased as possible. I, I want to remove the the Chicago Blackhawks from the equation here, but if you could go back <laughs> and like um, play with any team um, in history, what team would you want to go play for? Um, obviously, growing up. Um just outside of the GTA in Toronto. Uh, being a Leafs fan, I was a big Wendell Clark fan growing up. Uh, I was my idol. I wore his number all the way up to um, pro, really. I, I wore my, my number in the minor leagues, and then I got called up, and then I got to the number 29. Um, obviously, I would love to play for the Leafs. Uh, obviously, being a Blackhawk, original six, um, winning that many times in, in, in 10 years, it was uh, something special. But uh, it would have been cool to be a Leaf. Um, but... The Leafs just can't figure it out, and hopefully they can figure it out this year. But um, yeah, Leafs for sure. That was my uh, my go to if I didn't have to play where I did and how I did. So nice. nice. I still root for them. I'm 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 sorry. I still root for them, but uh, hopefully they can figure it out here soon because it's kind of rough for a Leafs yeah. fan. <laughs> yeah, they always Thanks. seem to do very well in the first uh, couple months or until Christmas or All Star break, and then they're usually dog shit to be honest but yeah uh, it's, i it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens if they if they if they don't make it past the first round it's just like well what are they gonna do with management is he gone or not but let's like i said another it could be a whole another podcast episode brian it's it's <laughs> it's it's tough to watch and now they're going through the goalie uh stuff oh, yeah. and i'm like oh they just lost the buffalo on the, the outdoor game i'm like man they're they got a lot of eyes on a lot of pressure but um 
it's the guys in the locker room. It's not the managers. It's just, uh, the people that are put on the ice. They're they got to yeah. perform. That's the way it is. They got to do the systems, and if they can't do it, then they're not getting by the first round. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I don't want to take too much time with these five burning questions, but I do have um, two more quick ones. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but um, as like I, I don't know, I grew up like loving hockey. Still love it always want to be playing in the show but like when you stepped on the ice as a professional athlete or throughout your career who was that one guy that you're like holy fuck man i'm on the ice with this guy um like i played a good like my first goal was uh actually a good moment um it was against detroit my first game um obviously it was like like Lindstrom, Chelios, all these big names that uh um Zenberg and all those guys that, that had that historic run in, with Detroit so like those guys are special like I obviously Ovechkin and um Crosby and I didn't really get to play about against McDavid but just watching him on TV it's, it's mind-boggling how how good he is um but um you know those early days my call-up days where I got a game here a game there and to play against some you know Hall of Famers and, and things like that and it was just uh a cool, cool moment. To, it's so surreal. To, you dream to play the NHL, then you see these guys and you're scoring goals in the first game, which was a, a nice touch of my career to have. And um, it's it's always going to be there. It was, it was a great uh, short career, but it was a good one at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And my last little question is: um, before we jumped on this podcast, I was talking to Matt Hendricks quick, and um, was just like, "Oh, do you know much about Brian Bickle?" He's like, "No, but he's he's what I can't remember. I don't want to quote him, quote him, but it's something about like he's one big motherfucker or something on the ice." He's, <laughs> and I played against him a lot, so I started like YouTubing, and I remember I got into the YouTube rabbit hole and I was watching some of your highlights and stuff. But there's this one that stuck out just because it's against Winnipeg, obviously. And I do remember the game after watching it. But when you kind of hit Buff there when he was, like, looking for that puck, <laughs> what did you think after that? Like, were you kind of like, oh, shit, man. Like, I just, like, woken up a big grizzly bear or, like? It's, uh, so it was funny. It was, that was, uh, that was in, I think, uh, 16. I was going through some stuff with, I don't know, mentally, physically, I don't know what it was, but I was getting called up and down that year after we won. And then I got called up. So I'm like, I need to do something to make sure I can stay up. And then I was playing Winnipeg and obviously Big Buffs and the history we had and the pals we are. And I don't think, I still think to this day, that was as hard as he's ever been hit in the NHL. So <laughs> for me to knock him on his ass, maybe it was clean and maybe it wasn't, but I didn't get a penalty. So, but I definitely poked the bear and woke him up. And um, I don't know if we won that game, but um, I know I still get grind his gears for me to hit him like that and hit the button on his ass the way it was. So um, it was a cool moment, and uh, we still talk about it to the day. It's uh, funny. Well, I'm just happy I didn't really get too hurt, but um, it was it was it was a it was a good hit for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay, right on. You made it through the 16 burning questions here, um, so. <laughs> Great work, but let's get into maybe a little bit more deeper into the podcast. And the one thing that I guess I want to start out with, and you kind of alluded to it in the five burning questions, um, but just like growing up fishing, like how did everything work out for you? I know a couple of things I might have read, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like you played two sports growing up, right? Like you yeah. baseball and hockey, you, you did pretty well, obviously, in hockey and baseball, but like how did that work? And like with fishing, like where'd you find? your passion for fishing through your family, your dad, like, can you just go through the, all the first few steps, I guess? Yeah. Um, I would say I played hockey in the winter, summer. I played baseball. Um, I played baseball until I was 16. 
then I had to t- take a choice. Do I play hockey or do I play baseball? I had a good opportunity to to make something in baseball, but obviously being Canadian, you want to play hockey. I wasn't looking at baseball. It was more of a, uh, a side gig and just to kind of keep me fresh going into the seasons of hockey. And um, and then the fishing side of it, every time we would rent a cottage every once a month, summer, and I always was out there catching frogs or casting or doing whatever. And then um, one of my dad's buddies got me uh, – he took me out bass fishing. I got bass fishing. I don't know. I was like 12 and I was like, this is awesome. And then over the time I got more and more into it, hopping the pond to pond, everything near my, uh, near my house. And, and me and my dad used to do some brook trout fishing and, and different things like that. Uh, and I always enjoyed it. So I kind of kindled the fire back then and I've been upgrading and upgrading my boats. And now I'm, hopefully there's not another boat I can get. My wife might shoot me, but, um, I've just been enjoying the bass fishing when it's open down here. I'm actually going to go down to the States here in the next couple of weeks to kind of get out of this cold because it's starting to snow again. I'm like, oh, spring's coming now. It's snowing. I'm like, I need to get out, honey. I need to go bass fishing. So she let me go down there and <laughs> hopefully uh, crack some heads down there. Nice. And so having like a professional career, you've been all over kind of North America with that. Did you find some pretty cool bass fishing spots, like anything that sticks out? um i've been lucky to fish a lot over the states obviously the southern with uh, lake fork and dallas and okeechobee in florida and then in mexico i've been out there a bunch of times but um there's so many good spots i know there's historic days like i'm i'm going down to raleigh um, in the next couple of weeks because i kind of fell in love with that uh that area with the the fishing and how close everything there's three like prime lakes that are within a half an hour of each other so if one lake's not going i'm just gonna drive to the next lake so um i've been kind of thankful and and uh to see the fishing over there it's i'm kind of miss it a lot because obviously here in canada ontario we're we're limited right so um there's only so many times their season and weeks we get and over there they get the free wheel and catch them all year round if you can um there's not one point, place but lake fork's got my number i've i've got some good ones but you go there to catch a 10 pounder i haven't got a 10 pounder there yet um high sevens but um i'll be sure i'll be going back there again to hopefully catch that 10 pounder and need to get in that double digits hopefully in a couple two weeks maybe you'll see my next post and i'll be catching a 10 pounder so you never know <laughs> there you go <laughs> maybe it'd be wearing a nice Fresh panoramic shirt, big yeah. ten pounder, and shorts. Not in yeah. freezing cold here again. Jeez, oh man, it's crazy. Send some of that hot weather up here. We're we're just getting like yeah, our, I can't imagine what you guys are going through. Jeez. We're 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 just like emerging from the one of the worst winters uh, we've had. Pretty much, it's yeah. been brutal. But, yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah. So then, still kind of like talking about your, like your NHL career and stuff. You know, you, there's obviously you guys have a few days off, and you and you have friends, obviously, on the team and stuff. Is there anybody that you kind of kind of uh, focus your attention to when it came to like say fishing? You guys got a day off, and you could go with one of your teammates out to the river or the lake or anything. In Chicago, there wasn't really much. Obviously, Buff uh, was a part of my couple years, my first couple years in Chicago. Um, then he got traded to Winnipeg. Um, but other than that, there was not many guys in Chicago that fished. There's a lot of golfers. Like if we go to Florida or somewhere in California, if we had a day off, they'd be going golfing. I'd be like, no, that kind of sucks. <laughs> like 
I don't really want to. I like golfing, but like I rather fish. And um, and then I got traded to Raleigh with uh, with the Hurricanes, and then Justin Falk. That's another. um, He's a Minnesota boy, so he's a big outdoors guy. So I kind of clicked with him. But uh, there's really not many fish. There is more, but not with the two teams I've been in. um, It's unfortunate because I like to talk about it and read about it and and dream about it, but. yeah, not many in the, the Chicago days. A lot of we had a lot of Europeans in Chicago, so they're not much much of fishmen's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Like we had uh, Tutu on there like two years ago now, or a year and a half ago. And the one thing he would tell me, I think it was Datsu. He said that him and Datsu could run down to like Bass Pro Shops and go and check out lures and stuff. And I was like, man, out of all people. I wouldn't have thought that Seek would have been into the fishing. No, I don't want to see that either. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like carrying on. So then you, you didn't really find anyone in Chicago, or I guess with Buff and them. So do you still talk to some of these guys, like Buff or um, Falk or anybody, you know, and talk about fishing? Do you guys ever chat or go on trips or anything like that? Um, I'm looking to go out to Minnesota and, and meeting a big old Buff. Um, I know. Uh, We've been trying to plan to get something going. I know he went to the Classic this year. And I was so hoping that didn't go, but I'm planning to go next year. I know he, he he's uh, in a good place in Minnesota. I know there's a lot of good fishing out there. Maybe we'll just drive up north when I'm from in Chicago and maybe meet up with him. And um, I have always loved Buff, and I still talk to him today. And um, I know he's ice fishing or... He's doing something outdoors. He loves hunting. I see all his Snapchats. I'm like, Big Buff's living his best life. He's, uh, I know he's he's not uh, to say he's missing hockey, but I think he's loving what he's going through right now. But um, I know I, even like Falk. I, I was uh, he got traded to St. Louis, and then St. Louis won that cup this year or that year. Then like 22 players, and there's like 24 players that. I had to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame, and then he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I drove my boat up, picked him up in the city, and then we went fish Lake Erie for oh, the nice. day because he, like, their whole team was at the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's like, what am I going to do, sit in the hotel room? So I took him out fishing for the day. And, um, yeah, I try to get out, and I know I have a couple of buddies that, uh, with Andrew Shaw, with the Blackhawks, uh, he lives locally, so I usually poke my head and fish with him once in a while. So, yeah, it's nice yeah. to keep up and keep in touch with the – the guys and so it was good to reminisce about the good times oh yeah i could imagine we always get the the same question um from being from manitoba obviously winnipeg a lot of our listeners are from winnipeg so we always get oh when are you getting buff on when are you getting buff on we know he fishes and it's like man that guy's like kind of like a ghost like you see him yeah. once in a while on social media and stuff but uh but yeah was, you know we've heard from a lot of different guys he's doing a lot of fishing and yeah enjoying it so that's that's really good and then well deserved i think in the same breath mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of wanted to, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about tonight, um, is like kind of like the end of your hockey career and with MS. And I was wondering if, if you wanted to maybe go through what, what kind of happened and, and where that all went. Yeah. Um, so like, obviously my, I was going, I was probably in my peak, of my career in 2013, we won the cup, uh, we won against Boston, um, signed a big contract to Chicago, went through um uh, a slow year the next year i went through a lot of surgery after that playoff run so it took me a while because it was a lockout year so we had like a month to get ready and i was getting married i had a honeymoon and like i worked out probably like twice or no probably like two weeks that summer and get ready for the season we had a good year we lost out in the first round then we had the bounce back won it back in 15 and then after 15 
my career was like I was still playing, still playing good, but then it just slowly like disintegrated. Like I'm like I'm only 29 or whatever, 28 or what it was. And then something was off. Something was different. And nobody knew what it was. And I was thinking it was mentally, physically. And I don't think, but then finding out the, I think I, I got traded the, the following year to Raleigh. I'm like, okay, this is great. I get a new start, uh, fresh start, young team, um, an upcoming team that's going to look good. And then within probably two or three weeks in the season, um, I'm like, something's really, really different because it was something new with my shoulder and then it was my all my right side of my body. And then I'm like, I can't stick handle, I can't stop, I can't do any of this. So I'm like, I, I remember the, to the day I was in New Jersey doing a, a pregame skate and then I'm sticking and I just basically dumped in the corner. I was like, something's up. So I went to the trainers, I pulled myself off, I was supposed to play that game, saw the medical doctors uh, with, in New Jersey and they're like, oh, they think it was vertigo or something to do with my ears and we'll take it off and we'll go back to Raleigh and get checked out. And um, so happened to be thankful to, to be in that situation because Raleigh with the Durham and all the universities and the schools and the doctors they had there, they pinpointed it pretty quick. And I got my MRI and um, saw what was going up upstairs, up in the brain. Uh, I just so happened to have uh, MS. So MS is a, a disease where there's signals, obviously, through your brain, through your spine, that would like for me, like say if I was like writing a sentence, it would be like like I was like three. I was like scribble. Like and, and I'm trying to do this playing hockey, it just didn't quite work out. So there's I had a bunch of um lesions on my brain and my spine to prohibit me to do things with my right side of my body. So um to get that figured out, um in Raleigh it was it was crushing because like I don't know how long I had it for or knowing what was next like it was uh, something i didn't know i didn't know anybody that had it um it was nice to figure out that there was something wrong because you know i was playing good then i got traded and then i go to a new team and then all of a sudden this happens it was obviously crushing but relieving at the same time because i knew i didn't suck i knew i had something really wrong with me so and got my ms kind of straightened out took me about four or five months um i remember in raleigh because i couldn't work out i couldn't do anything i gained a bunch of weights i haven't worked you know taking five months months off in a year and not work out i gained a little bit of weight um and then um, i told my wife i'm like i gotta buy a boat because we're in raleigh and like i gotta buy a boat so i can just go fishing whenever i want down here so i bought a boat kind of enjoyed the the outdoors in raleigh um and then got back on the ice, and then shortly after the season, because it started in the start, the, happened the start of the season, then basically the end of the season when I got back on the ice, and and then uh, told my wife that it was like, look, you know, you know, this is a good run that we had, and you know, I had two young kids that were six months and three years old. I was like, you know what, this is going to hang them up, and uh, I did, and don't regret it. Had a, a good career, and kind of sucks that uh you know the ms thing kind of you know got in the way but um making a, a negative and a positive that's what i've been doing uh, after hockey and helping out other people with ms and making awareness because it's a, a hidden thing that a lot of people don't see and it's uh it hurts a lot of people but um it makes a lot of people stronger too at the same time yeah absolutely i got like a million questions for you <laughs> um after that 
but I guess what I would like to do is just kind of back it up just a little bit. When and you said, yeah, I went and bought a boat. Like I need, I don't need to go fishing. Um, yeah. But was that some sort of like release for you, or like mental help to get outside and get on that boat and like maybe just like think about your future? Like like you said, like you made a decision to hang them up. Like being outside was that your place to be to like figure it all out? Like was it good oh, mentally? Yeah. It's a uh, it was my recharging. Like uh, like after seasons, I would come home and uh, the wife will be working or doing whatever, and I'll be fishing. Like it was my my quiet time is my recharge. Like I would work out in the morning and then be on the water and just not think about anything, not listen to tunes, not have a beer, just, just me in the boat and me and the fish and wherever I'm at, that was my, my happy place. And it still is. Um, it's like my therapy right now because, you know, with all the stress with the young kids and things like that, to get on the water, it kind of keeps me, clears my head and gets me, well, then to focus for the next year and, and um now it's just focus for the next day or whatever with the kids but um it was my happy place still my happy place and it was my place to kind of get away and not really think about anything man i I feel like uh just listening to you tell a story i feel like i I feel like you're almost downplaying it a bit because i couldn't imagine just like going through that kind of thing like you're at your peak peak level and you're just kind of you know you, you leaving the Chicago Blackhawks where you obviously had a hell of a run there with them. And then it's like, all right, fresh start, fresh legs. Let's hit the ground running at this new spot. And, and, uh, man, that would be tough. That'd be really tough. And then, yeah, trying to figure it out with the young family. And I got a young family here at home and I, I know just the, the amount of stress I get from them. And I, I like, am thankfully I'm like, don't have anything to complain about besides, <laughs> besides like, regular stresses of life and sometimes it's hard for me to deal with you know what i mean so yeah so i could uh man i I can't imagine also dealing with uh with ms and trying to figure out what's actually going on with with um with yourself and stuff like that so yeah it was uh yeah i kind of downplayed a little bit it was it was it was a lot harder because i didn't know anything about it um going into it um Obviously, the first thing you you do, you you get on your phone, you start googling, you Google, uh-huh. Google, Google, and then you fall, you like fall down that rabbit hole, and um, obviously that was not good. But then you know it gives you awareness of what to expect. And I went through things, some things where you know I was scared, like I was I was having trouble walking, and I had kids that I wanted to hold. And I was scared of dropping them or or anything like that. I remember, like for instance, I bought a boat. I was. I couldn't use my right hand. It was it wasn't working half time. I couldn't even tie a knot to tie one of my lures. I was like I was like this this is not right. I was like I was literally legit crying like this is terrible. Like I can't hold my kids. I can't tie a knot to you know let me fish. It's something I enjoy so much. And then over the months with the treatments and the procedures to to move forward, everything has got better. But at that time it was mentally it was through the roof, and I'm just so happy that I can. <laughs> you know, do the normal stuff and, um, go on with my day, uh, with, uh, the way I'm right now. Yeah. Like, like looking at you right now and, and how, like, we're obviously having a video chat and, and like, you totally look like a normal dude. You're <laughs> way better shape than I am from what I can tell as well. Nice <laughs> yeah. But, I got new teeth. So I was gonna say. Yeah, they're nice and white because, uh, uh, obviously, I got my teeth knocked out a long, a uh, lot of time, and then uh, I got these. I just got these in uh, three days ago, so they, yeah, they're a little <laughs> white because 
this new dentist that uh, the wife recommended, she's known for her whiteness. So this, these are just test runs to see if I like how white they are, but I don't know if I don't like them this <laughs> way. So they're going to dim them down next week. So yeah, uh, I, was kind test of, run for doing. I was kind of expecting it on this video chat and seeing your, your two front teeth out, like when you're holding that Stanley cup that one year. And... Yeah. Well, I had, I had five missing like <laughs> what three was it, days five? ago. So you oh, wouldn't even understand. Oh, yeah. You'd probably be lispering everywhere, splashing <laughs> a bit everywhere on my phone. <laughs> You got the fresh yeah. grill in. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested um, if you want to dive into a little bit, but like what's, what's kind of, so you went from obviously this like terrifying experience of you really don't know what, what's going on to figuring out you have MS and going through the treatment process and things seem to be pretty good from our standpoint here and like what's what's kind of life like for you now how like how how is um ms how how are you dealing with everything um it's it's going pretty good obviously the first year was tough um obviously uh getting diagnosed retiring being around my wife and kids all the time and, and and things that's you know it's not normal i've been gone for 15 years and traveling and and playing hockey and, uh, you know, the locker room, the, the guys, and you missed all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, over the years, it's been good. Um, obviously it's a tragedy, like getting diagnosed with MS, but, uh, I'm just trying to help out others. I'm, um, doing speaking and, and doing events for, to make awareness. Um, I know, um, me and my wife started a foundation in Chicago. Um, I don't know how many years ago was it. I think it was over 10 years ago. Um, but now here, so we started a charity in, in Chicago to help uh, make awareness for pit bull type dogs. Uh, we rec- rescued our dog in 16 years ago um, and then found what the big issue was in Chicago and especially in Ontario. The, the dogs are still banned in Ontario. Um, but then now we started a program um, here in Ontario because we can't work with the dogs is to give uh, people with MS uh, retreats. So we brought a piece of property north that's got uh, three cabins on it. We're in the midst of I'm renovating them all. And so they're all like ready because like me, like I'm normal and a lot of people that live normal with MS, but there's a lot of people that are suffering that they're in wheelchairs, they're in walkers, they're still with their family and they're 40 years old and, and the parents have to take care of them. We want to give these families a retreat of uh, something that I enjoy just to be outside, be near the water and um, enjoy something that they maybe didn't have the chance to do. So our foundation is in the midst of right now. Well, I'm in the midst of renovating these cottages to make them right for people that are suffering and hopefully just give them a happy weekend or a week to not really think about what they're going through and just enjoying them. the time with their family so we're in the midst of doing that right now and um that's something i'm looking forward to and to get that rolling and uh just to see the the smiles on people's faces and then just to get the appreciation from the, the families it's gonna be a pretty cool moment yeah that's super fucking cool uh it's good for you guys the with, when when living with ms like for yourself you kind of just said like for you compared to other people it's you know might be night and day but like so what is there any like long-term effects like for yourself like is there anything are you gonna as far as you can tell or is what the doctor's told like you're gonna be 
good to be fishing like every day on the lake or what? Uh, I'm hope I hope I get fish every day on the lake. Um, so there's two types of MS. There's the relapsing, which is what I have, and there's aggressive. So uh, my symptoms was my right side of my body. There's a lot of different things. Uh, uh, eyesight is a, a big one. Um, obviously, I'm on uh, I'm on a drug every month that I have to go and and take to kind of keep all my lesions kind of running smoothly and not to have any more hiccups and it's been five years strong um things have been good doing good and they've been on track um and i had to do my checkups and get my mris to see if everything's progressing or or if it's not but um so far so good knock on wood that it's uh it's it's running the right way and um i know there's obviously families that are going through that progressive stuff and i just can't imagine of um watching your kid or your your daughter or whoever um slowly dis- disintegrate and it's something that we want to do obviously i said before with our foundation to give the those families a uh, opportunity to enjoy life with uh, their family yeah mm-hmm. um i don't want to rewind too far back but you did to get into the maybe off the ms topic but you did say that you bought a boat down in uh north carolina or yeah where did you say raleigh yeah raleigh um, yeah. What kind of boat did you end up buying? Well, I had a bass boat over here, so I was like, uh, I got a, a Phoenix, uh, I don't even know what it is, a 21 XD or whatever, uh, and then I just bought a little uh, 16-foot tracker, because I'm, oh, like, nice. I'm like, I'm not going to buy another $50,000 boat, like, the wife would shoot <laughs> me, so I bought this little tracker, it got me around, kept me afloat, and um, so I happened to have the biggest bass of my life out of it, so I have good memories of that. I sold to my buddy a couple of years ago, so he's uh, keeping it close by. But um, it just—I just didn't want to pay six, seven hundred dollars every time to guide because I was new in the town and I know nobody else had really had bass boats. And last year, you know, he lived there. No one, none in uh, Raleigh really had any. Falker didn't have any. He, then the next year after I left, he brings his boat down. Like you're an idiot. Why did you bring it down two years ago? You know. So. Um, <laughs> So I bought a little 16 foot tracker to get kind of get me uh, started down there. It was, it was fun. Nice. Right on. And um, so kind of uh, back to the little hockey, we're all over the place. This is how we kind of do things or this is how I do things. I'm never yeah. organized, <laughs> but like back to the MS and with your hockey career and stuff, there was one thing that I did notice on, on the old YouTube today, uh, something called the last shift when uh, you got to skate out in Chicago there and, it was kind of a little bit of a tribute to to the years you played in Chicago. What was that yep. like for a feeling for you? And and like was that um, like kind of retirement from Chicago? Like I didn't get to watch the entire thing, but watched uh, a little bit of it there. Yeah. So it was uh, the the Hawks have been doing that with uh, you know so selected players. I was honored to to have the last shift and say I retired as a Blackhawk. Obviously, I got drafted by the Blackhawks in '04. I uh, worked my way up through the minors and then obviously going through the three cups that we had uh, there and then obviously getting traded to Raleigh and then finding out the news and then coming back to Chicago to really staple that I retired as a Hawk and to have that moment with my family and, and just the fans, you know, the fans that, uh, you know, supported me and, and enjoyed my, my type of hockey in Chicago. Uh, it was a, it was a cool moment to, to retire as a Hawk is where I started history and it was a, a second home and it still is to me and um it was a cool moment for sure yeah so speaking of your last shift and then you also had your last goal with carolina in that shootout 
Could you like do? You, is that like something that's always going to stick with you? Like, is that just kind of like the icing on the cake to your to your NHL career? Or? Yeah, it was, it was it was cool because I remember uh, we had Bill Peters as a coach in Carolina, and then um, the game before because we only had four games left. I came up and I played the last four, and then we played one game in Raleigh, and then we went to shootout and we lost in the shootout, and we weren't we weren't making playoffs. And it's like you know what, Peters is like, yeah, you should have you should have been the player, you should have been um, out there. And then the next game we played in Philly. And then we went to the shootout again. So then this is my second shootout ever in my career in the NHL. Um, so then I'm like, well, I'm 0 for 1. So then I'm like, okay, I better score this. So at least I actually have a good percentage of 50%. I think I still got better in the Taves as a percentage, <laughs> which is nice. Ooh, snap. <laughs> but, then, uh, but then obviously going down and then the hearing it uh, go off the post. And then for my first shot on that, I scored to my last shot on that. Scored too, so it was a cool moment to to have with all my friends and family there to, to support me in my last game. Yeah, that's super cool, man. I watched I watched that video too, and I was just like, I almost had tears in my eyes. I was just kind of like, man, that's so that's pretty cool, you know. Like, um, but yeah, that's that's say it again. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, we can maybe swing her back to a little bit of fishing talk. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but Chase, you got some. Uh, fishing topics we can talk about yeah i'm, I'm kind of curious what what do you have in the crosshairs uh fishing wise right now and i'm going to circle back and talk a little bit about the foundation stuff but i'm curious what are you uh you said you're heading down south to uh raleigh in a bit um are you doing any tournament fishing or anything like that in the future or are you just going to keep it pretty casual well like i i, I signed up a couple years ago uh like the first year of covid um to fish the northern opens uh that's with the the down in the states and then we had the border issues and then i got a quarantine for 14 days if i come back like and then my kids can't go to school i'm like i'm not gonna do this i don't want to stay, stay mm-hmm. with my family with the wife and kids days in my house to not do anything so we had to pull the plug on that one and then i didn't do this year because i just don't it's still covid related and i'm like i want to just enjoy it i don't want to worry about you know COVID at all so i gotta hopefully the next year i can jump back in there but um i'm just gonna do tournaments around here i know there's a series that i'm i'm i want to do now i see the the big person that states which is the dt series that had that uh the this u.s open where the guy two kids won a million bucks in uh where was that that was in um kentucky no wherever it was yeah, so that that was that big tournament where it was the the two kids, so we can qualify. We had a I had a buddy that that fished in it, so happened didn't do very well. But uh, to run that series here and just to get a chance to go down there and fish for a million bucks, I'm like, geez, that sounds pretty good to me. So I gotta I gotta dig my head into that one this year and hopefully to to fish over there this year. Nice, nice. And hey, Chase, uh, yo, one quick question: um, Gustafson that we had on there was he in that kind of circuit that bass? Yeah, he's the, the higher, higher he's up in the one. the Bassmaster Pro Bass Circuit Master, yeah. or Elite. Yeah, the Elite. The, he's in the Elites with Gus, and we got a couple Canadians over here too. So we have two of the Johnson brothers that are out of Peterborough that uh, have fished uh, over there. So all three of them got a win. So it's pretty cool nice. to see the Canadian, the Canadian guys doing well. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, well, Gus, he's on a streak right now. Um, <laughs> now, uh, a bass fishing aside. What else, uh, do you have any other like kind of fishing 
trips on your on your bucket list? Are you thinking of anything else, or what else do you want to pursue? Um, I'm I'm kind of open to really do anything. Um, obviously, now I have to get the fish the full season. So because before I'd be playing hockey or missed a lot of the opportunities. Like I'm so happy to live like 300 yards from Lake Ontario. So the steelhead start running here shortly in the spring. Um, I enjoy doing some crappie fishing because um, bass is not open. Crappies open all year. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I want to go up, go up south and do some tarpon and do some red fishing up in Louisiana. Um, things like that have, have definitely um, struck my interest in, in putting in my bucket list and to enjoy and um, but I'm, 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 I'm a bass head, I have to say, mm-hmm. and I do, I do do fish other stuff, but, uh, just enjoy that, uh, adrenaline of, uh, bass fishing. Yeah, totally. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Right on. And, um, so I just wanted to circle around one more time to your, uh, the, the two foundations, your, your retreat there and, and the, the pit bull rescue. And I think, um, we need to hear the names of these these two foundations so we can uh, pound that out a little bit. Yeah, so our, our foundation is uh, the Brian and Amanda Baker Foundation.org. Um, most of all our information is on the website uh, about rescuing. We we do a lot of rescue things in Chicago. Um, we do spade and neutering, getting the dogs chipped and getting... We work with a, a house up in Southside Chicago. It's called the Hespa House. So it's a house that uh, unfortunate kids were, you know, are in that were abused or mishandled, and obviously living in a home. So we do um, therapy sessions with these dogs that um, kind of can relate because we rescue these dogs, get them back on their feet, and get them back straight in. So we give these kids kind of to relate and to do some obedience, like walking and things like that. And they, and they relate and they get it. And they see these dogs that what they've been through and they were in the same situation because a lot of kids are, are scared to open up to people because they were abused and missed, you know, did a lot of bad things to them. They can't, you know, trust people. So mm-hmm. they, they get it through these dogs and these dogs have been great for us. And, to help out these kids and um we enjoy doing that and obviously with their ms side which is still new in the works over here in the states are uh, in the states and canada um to get that rolling and uh get to these families enjoy the the family time with the, the ms stuff and that that falls under the same the same umbrella there yeah yeah, yeah there's a I'm pretty sure there it's all on there. I haven't really been on that website in a while, but my wife takes care of all that stuff and nice. she uh, enjoys doing it. So she's nice. really good at it. Just... She does all the she does all the website stuff, and now you're just the pretty smile for the front page, eh? <laughs> yeah, I got the, I got the pretty white, so I, 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 I can see my stuff in the in the video. I like they're pretty white, they're they're fresh, so I gotta you know see if I like them. The wife says I like them, so I gotta I gotta see what That's other the people main thing. think. Yeah, I think that I'll make the Ross on Friends where it's just oh, yeah. cold, bleached white tea, couple yeah. cups of coffee, couple glasses of red yeah, wine. Yeah. I'm sure you'll be all right. Yeah. Um, unless I was totally like zoned out, but how come pit bulls? Like, where, where did the, like, did you already say that or no? No. Um, so I, I picked up in uh, Ottawa, Ontario when I played junior and I met my, my, well, she was my girlfriend. We met young, um, and then we were together for a couple of years and then her neighborhood, um, you know, wasn't a great neighborhood. Um, but then she saw, 
dogs down the road and her mom's like, Oh, stay away from this guy. And then you saw these guys, um, what they were doing to these dogs by just selling them off for drug money. It was, it was tough. And I'm like, this is not how we want it. And then we fell in love with this dog. We had this dog where we had her for when she was 14, no 14, probably five or six weeks old, which is not good to leave your mom because they need to be a certain time together for connection yada 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 and then we just fell in love with this dog we we just actually lost that dog she turned 16 um last year we just lost her before christmas so she, we had her for 16 years and then just built this relationship with the dog because we fell in love and just saw what kind of misunderstood they really had because people take advantage of of the breed and you know they're a great loving dog and a family dog just so happened that we have a lot of bad people turn these dogs and it's like anybody they can turn any dog into any way or any human in any way too so it just so happened uh, to be that way and we just want to put our name behind it and show the the bright sides of the really what these dogs are all about yeah yeah pit bulls kind of hold a hold a bad view in uh in like the the politics of yeah north america we'll say they're like the the bad dog, but they're, I mean, my, my wife's kind of into the, well, we used to be into rescues and stuff like that quite a bit as well. Um, prior to having kids, but, um, we had a few pit bulls and, uh, they're pretty much sweethearts. Lots of, yeah, they are. And it just sucks what they, they go through to, and it's, they're just so smart and so loyal. That's the big thing. That's why people, treat them the way they do if it's dog fighting or, or whatever they it just sucks because they they won't turn and they're a loyal dog and we obviously grew attached to ours and we wanted to to make awareness from mm-hmm. i'll be the first to say maybe that i would rather trust trust a pit bull than a german shepherd because i've been bitten so many times by german shepherds they're sketchy fucking dogs and pit bulls <laughs> i mean I, I have never had a problem with them, so I'll say in my books, German Shepherds are way worse than pit bulls. <laughs> yeah, well, the Chihuahuas are the worst dog. Actually. Oh they yeah, there you favorite. go, <laughs> dude. I, I got a <laughs> scar, <laughs> scar above my eye from being bit, bit in the eyeball by a Shih Tzu. Yeah, so it's it is what it is, and we're just trying to make awareness for them. So mm-hmm. right on. Um, but yeah, like I like I said, we don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, I got a couple couple last things here. But Chase, you got anything else before we uh, decide to call our quits? I'm good, man. You're all good. All good. Uh, one more question. Yeah, one more. <laughs> <laughs> well, right on. No, Brian. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. It's um, you know, it's always a really big treat for myself personally just to get um like i said retired athletes especially ones that have played the sport that i've always loved growing up um i think it's super cool that you and your family are uh um you know enjoying your time in retirement and and doing all the things that you guys are doing with the ms and um initiatives and and with the pit bull work and stuff like that um before or when we get off the show we'll get some information from you so we can throw it up on our on our podcast page, etc. But again, thank you for for coming on the podcast. Thank you for doing all these things that you are doing and um, getting onto this thing. We kind of don't know what to expect sometimes because we clearly didn't know you before before today, right? But I'm just so happy we got to have the conversation, and hopefully, we can have you on again sometime in the future and talk more bass fishing. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me out. Thanks for reaching out. Uh, enjoy doing these kind of things and. And spreading, obviously, my life of the passion of fishing and obviously um, 
you guys helped me out to spread the the MS word. So um, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Well, that was episode. Well, it's not it's not over yet. Everyone, stay tuned. Episode one hundred and seventeen. It was Brian Bickle. Man, what a great guy to have on. The one thing I think I've said this a million times, but the one one of the guests that I really like and I really enjoy talking to is is athletes and um, you know just their kind of their lifestyle and how it integrates with the outdoors, especially the ones that get outdoors, right? Mm-hmm. And for somebody like Brian to you know retire from the NHL. Um, is working through some of his own battles with like his MS and stuff like that, but being able to still get outside and, and go fishing and enjoy it with his friends. And, you know, there, there's always like those freak stories and I've heard them in my line of work is like guys work for 30, 40 years of their lives retire so they can go and retire in their fishing boat and they like drop dead in three weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are the, those are the worst stories in the world. And uh, it's just cool when you can hear stories where, where you put in, you know, a lot of effort to be successful. And, and now he gets to enjoy his time out in the, out in the water. Yeah. It's kind of eye opening because like, like he said in the podcast, he was kind of just approaching the, the pinnacle of his career pretty much, you know, so he had big things ahead of him. He's doing really, really well in the NHL prior to being diagnosed with MS. And it's just like all your kind of dreams and hopes just kind of fade away. And it seems like he has used the outdoors as a real great grounding point for uh transitioning into a new life pretty much yeah and great teeth that guy that guy has great teeth (laughs) those things were pearly white oh i know um and if anybody's like looking to if you're bored on the old interweb and on youtube go and check out um his like last goal in that shootout and even this thing it's called the last shift uh, with chicago blackhawks it's kind of uh just a good heart well or heart what is it called? Heartfelt warming, heart warming, heartwarming, heartwarming uh, videos. I, yeah. So I nailed it both times. No big deal. Yeah. Um, a couple things that I do want to mention before we let everyone go is our dry shot boots. We've been wearing them all winter. Um, this is the second winter now that I've been able to use them not only in, in hunting season, but now in ice fishing or yeah, in ice fishing. And I have not one complaint about my boots. They keep my feet super warm. Chase, you've been rocking them plus those like croc looking ones. Yeah. What do you what do you think of those? Um, the sod busters are great because they're they're super grippy and they're they're nice little like toss them on and you don't have to get your feet wet in the slush kind of thing when you're taking the kids to school. And I think they're gonna be a great little spring and fall boot as well, just for like the short hops, not for putting on big miles, but like going to the tree like stand or whatever. In the boat? Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's funny you say dry shod too, because like last weekend I was at a buddy's cabin and uh, I was wearing them and another buddy was like, hey, those are some pretty nice boots, man. What are those? I was like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> and uh, same thing. I, I wore them all fall and wore them, been wearing them every time I gone ice fishing this winter. And they've they've been like nothing less than impressive. So really impressed with the with the build quality and just the the capabilities of them like they're they're very comfortable and they are like they got the moisture wick and stuff going on in there and um yeah they're great great set of boots hey man i don't i gotta tell you a boot story all right um and this is about i don't know what what's my deal with my dad in this episode but it is about my dad so he a boot a boot story about your dad a boot story about my dad he um he always complains about his feet like being cold or whatever blah blah so one year i bought him a pair of under armor 
like hunting boots for archery hunting kind of seasons right but then he like he liked them so he wouldn't wear them all the time wore them out and then he was like wearing so in like rifle seasons showed up and he was wearing like these big you know those big dakota steel toe like just big bulky boots he was wearing those with like two pairs of socks and blah blah blah. and i give him shit all the time like go buy yourself like a good pair of boots you know so (laughs) like two or three years ago rifle season comes and it's getting cold and he pulls out these white heli hansons and i'm like (laughs) looking at them and i'm like why did janet let you wear her boots like what's going on here and he's like oh these are heli hansons they're like the warmest boots ever and blah 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 and he was just so proud of them so then my cousin quentin comes hunting with us and uh we're getting ready to go out and my dad's putting on these white heli hansons and Quentin looks and he's like, what the hell are you wearing? Like, why are you wearing white boots? Like, and we're just like, kind of like just razzing them. Right. So last, so last year we get going to go hunting and I look over and now he's wearing black Heli Hansons. And I'm like, Oh, you went and buy yourself some new Heli Hansons. And he's like, well, yeah, you guys wouldn't stop bothering me. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so he was like embarrassed. So he went and bought these black ones. Well, it turns out Quentin. So this then fast forward a couple of weeks, Quentin comes out and Quentin's looking at them and they're kind of, by this time, they're like kind of scratched up and scraped up. Well, my dad spray painted them black. And <laughs> <laughs> we were all like bugging them. And he's like, Oh man, he's like, well, you're bugging me that they're white. So I spray painted them black. And <laughs> so anyways, this, uh, this winter for Christmas, I bought them, I got the old freaking checkbook out and I bought them a pair of dry shots. The, like the super, whatever warm ones like the minus i don't even know what they're rated to what do you know yeah the 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 arctic uh extremes arctic extremes yeah so like minus 40 minus 50 kind of thing yeah so i bought him them and uh yeah he's been tromping around in them and i think he likes them a lot so goes to show you need to get a good pair of boots to be comfortable in the woods but if you're looking for any type of boot go and check out dry shot they've been uh been huge supporter of panoramic we wear them all the time so check that out dry shot canada dry shot canada if you are looking to get into some new merch um, our store is basically fully stocked. Um, we're, we are still waiting on some back ordered stuff. We got some new camo hats that should be in in like four to five weeks, uh, hopefully for the time of uh, spring bear and turkey season. So camo hats coming out right away, um, buffs, whatever. Check it out, www.panoramicoutdoors.com. And while you're on there, you can go and check out a couple other things that's on our website you might not know about, but there is a recipe section. There's only one recipe on there that Tristan's added on. We are um, looking for some so if you ever have one and you want to submit it email it to us we'll throw your name on it throw in a couple pictures we'll put it up on our website and we also have a couple blog posts we got some about uh tristan's dog and uh and how that's going and one with hack when he sh- uh arrowed one of his bull elk and then our most recent one with nate carruthers he does a three-part moose hunting kind of like a backcountry moose hunting do's and don'ts like it's a it's a pretty good uh, couple articles that he wrote in so check that out that's our blog um, but that's all on our website, www.panoramicoutdoors.com. Right on. That's it. That's, that's all. It. Thanks. Thanks everyone for listening. We really appreciate your support. If you can go to your iTunes or Spotify, we've noticed nobody's really rated us too much or left comments on Spotify. So go on there, rate us, leave us a comment. We appreciate it. It helps us grow every time you do that. Anybody that don't think that they have enough time to do it. Well, that sucks because you're listening to this for free. So there you go.